Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full Time podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. It's been a an eventful week, it's fair to say. Not always for the right reasons in the National League this weekend. We'll hear more from that later on. We've also got interviews with Callum Reynolds, Luke Young of Wrexham, Chris caught up with Alan Dowson, the Woking manager, and we also caught up with Callum Saunders, who's the son of Dean, he plays for Curzon Ashton. Because it's FA Cup weekend and our National League North and South sides entered the competition at this stage, so we'll hear how they got on. Tom and Dickie have sent us over their roundups. About the comp- about the second qualifying round. Joining me on the line this week is Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Yeah, we're a long way apart today, uh, Luke, aren't we? After being sat across that uh, Desmond's kitchen table last week, but uh, still plenty to talk about. And uh, you and I are going to over that with uh, the National League, the Premier Division. Yeah, Chris can't be with us today, and as I say, Dickie and Tom are, are far away as well. Dickie's actually running a 10k as we as we record this, so we sent over his thoughts on the FA Cup, which we'll play out for you later on. But let's start with a new leader at the top of the National League, the only unbeaten team in the division. It is Bromley, and uh, a fantastic start for them. Uh, they went top after Sean Mikulski, who only signed on loan from Forest Green during the week, scored the winner on his debut, and in his interview you after Neil Smith was was really purring over him but Rob can we say that Bromley are the real deal this year can we actually consider them promotion contenders yeah I think so for sure and I think probably they're the dark horse that a lot of people picked out as the dark horses uh, they did recruit well and um, you know many people myself did think that they would push the top seven this year I've referred a couple of times to that or the several chats I've had with Neil Smith really about them finishing 10th 11th 12th or whatever and now we just swap that for one real tilt at the playoffs they're definitely having that um, they're very, they've got consistency they're very very hard to beat and as I think uh, the uh, Knox County manager Neil Ardley summed up yesterday it sums up probably quite well in his in his reaction of his own team he said that he started the game as if the players hadn't been told what Bromley are good at both of their goals came from things we worked on in the week having showed the players they draw games they should lose and win games they should draw and we are the opposite so pretty well summed up there by uh, Neil Ardley um, and uh, a fantastic result for Bromley good crowd as well I'm sure a lot of Notts County fans there swelled that up but uh, 3,122 uh, and as you say a dream debut for Mikulski on loan from Forest Green. Yeah, Bromley are fine at the minute and a uh, real community. If you've seen a documentary of the gaffer, then you can see a real community spirit down at Bromley and Neil Smith is really forging out. He's at the head of, of all that as well, so great stuff for them. They not woken off the, off the top. They did start the day top and uh, they went up to Charlie, drew 1-1. Chris was there. He said it was a fair result in the end. And after the game, he caught up with the Woking manager, Alan Dowson. So I'm joined by Alan Dowson after a really tough one-all draw up at Charlie. But the first question I'm going to ask you, how's Tariki Johnson? Johnson, he was out for, uh, he was down for a while, wasn't he? He sure have popped out, I believe, and all that. So it's a shame because we're on the bare bones on the minute, players-wise, with injuries. Heidi shouldn't have played, he did. Um, Tops was limping about. And obviously um, Tyreek, you know, um, he sure have popped out. And obviously Manny Pabby's whacked his arm. We just hope it's not broken. Um, when, when things like that happen against you in football, you got to get on with them, you know. So that's it. That's football. That's life. 
It's a tough place to come. You went one, one down. Are you happy with the draw? Yeah, of course. Alex Stockport got beat here final last year, so I'm delighted about how we've done and delighted about the result. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, the decent side, it's a hard place to come. We've had to travel it here. So uh, it's no big about working, you know. Um, if you've got a couple of these places and dig a one one, so that's what we've got to do. You must be delighted with the start to the season. You you, were, you came here top of the league. I haven't seen the league table. I'm not yeah, sure what the other routes you think. Down, we're down by a point, but it's not a problem. Um, you know, we'll just keep on kicking on what we're doing. Um, no problems at all. Um, it's a good point that we're here. And, uh, um, yeah, I don't worry about the league tables at the minute. We'll look after ourselves. Um, ten games unbeaten, you know, and so we've got to look on the positives of that as well. So we'll keep on winning. You've been a bit of a surprise package for the league so far. You must be delighted with the way it started. I know nobody's more surprised than me, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, listen, it is what it is. And they say a couple of these places and the tough places are good, and you get a result. And these went down to Dover last week and drew, and they get behind the ball well. So a fair play to them. How we play? We'll just get them keep going. And what are the amb- ambitions for the season? You mentioned now you, you've got a lengthening injury list. You're going to have to dip into your squad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how's it how's it going to be? Say so up until Christmas, where where, where yeah. are you looking to be? We might have to improve it a bit. Might have to get some more bodies in. I think to be honest, um, but that's football. You know, um, you know, we've got to make sure that we're, um, the lads who come in do a job. We've got to make sure that we're as good as what we've got, and um, that's the hardest bit. If you're top of the league, you've got to get better in. But there's a few lads off a game today, which it, which will happen. But um, you know, we've got Nathan Collier. We've got um, you know Sean Don. And we've got Max Crossman, we've got people like that who want to come in, want to play. I'm sure we'll get their chance Tuesday night. I took them to take it because he had dropped the cells. I do drop them, we had dropped the cells. So I think I wanted to make it go drop the day. <laughs> Cheers, Alan. And that was Alan Dowson, and you may need a translator for that. <laughs> he is a very got a very thick Sunderland accent as Alan Dowson. I did love the quote that he said as well. He said, I don't drop players, they drop themselves. Yeah. And uh, do you know what? Everybody questioned, didn't they? With a few things up there, but can they sustain it? Can they keep it going? Well, interestingly, they have had a few draws lately, but they're picking up points, you know, predominantly on the road as well. And uh, those games are never easy. Uh, those games are never easy. As Stockport found out when they went to Dorley a couple of weeks ago. As Alan Dowson mentioned, Woking did drop down to third, and that's because Halifax leapfrogged them in. After a couple of sticky weeks for them, they got back on track against Barnet. Yeah, they did, and uh, I think probably Halifax have uh, made my life more than most this season. They were one of my tips. One of the biggest things that Pete Wilde has, has got going on with the Halifax side, and it must be uh, the stuff of dreams for the supporters of the Shea, is they are free scoring, aren't they? Uh, four goals yesterday, you know, against a Barnet side that pretty mean defensively most of the time and it's not the first time they've scored four goals this season Halifax and uh, obviously the last couple of seasons uh, at the Shea they've had a lot of dour games haven't they too many nil-nils and uh, you know so fair play to Halifax for keeping that run going just a few days ago on Tuesday I witnessed Barnet demonstrating as ever as most often a really really mean defence well marshalled by the skipper Callum Reynolds um, in their 2 0 shutout against Aldershot, and well, things changed considerably on Saturday, but uh, early in the week on Tuesday, after that green shoot, three points against Aldershot, I caught up with the Barnet skipper Callum Reynolds. Bit of a regular on this podcast now. We followed your exploits in the FA Cup last season. Now, Callum, we're back to league business, and it's a good bit of business for you tonight and for Barnet. A 2 0 win against your old side, Aldershot, and up to fourth in the table. You must be pleased with the start to the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, the first month's always tough with a lot of games. Um, we were fortunate enough to kind of have the international break 
although we haven't got any of the injuries back and we got an extra one. Um, but like you just said, similar game to sort of last season, 0-0 first half, not a lot in, a lot in it. Second half, I think we just up, up the quality a bit, and two two great goals to be fair. Not really, not really a lot the keeper can do about them. Um, but yeah, we're in a good position at the minute. Um, going into, I think this is our second game in uh, nine games in 27 days period. So there's never a there's never a period that's not important in the season. But when you've got so many games close together, if you can pick up a lot of points, it gives you a lot of one momentum, leaves you in a good position. We had a bit of a debate between us, the boys on the podcast, about the decision. Um, and I know ultimately it's not yours to make. And I just I, I, about the international break and, and that Barnet do have a 28, 29 player squad. Um, and as you say, when you've played the game, you've actually had one more injury than the number of players that were missing for that. Bearing in mind last season, how many games you had to catch up because of the FA Cup run, it must have been a little bit of a concern, um, you know, having consecutive games postponed yeah um, we seem to get a bit of rotten lucky with injuries so I think we could put together a decent decent 11 of boys that we've not got um, I think Saturday just gone we filled the bench with five and that was it we had no more so yeah there's a lot of games in this league and, but if we can start getting some bodies back we've got a good squad but again it's, it's just keeping everyone fit to allow allow ourselves the best opportunity Um to do well in the league well I'll say this on his behalf Callum had an excellent game tonight outstanding but uh, for me he was just pipped to the man of the match by Jack Taylor what are your thoughts on him he's up and coming he seems to have a little bit of everything in midfield yeah he's class him and I've got to mention his brother Harry Taylor mm. um, both exceptional players that have come through the academy but Jack especially since he's got called up to the under 21s I think he's just gone to the next level he's added more goals I think the player goal of the month competition were all his <laughs> in uh, in August, and he's getting assists as well. He's playing a bit of a deeper role last couple of games, um, but like you said, probably man of the match tonight. Um, showing he's capable of doing both sides of the game. And that was Callum Reynolds. And do you think it's just a little bit of a blip that result against Halifax? It was only their second defeat of the season on Saturday, and they're in sixth place with a game in hand on most of the teams above them. Um, so they're in a good position, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, whether or not they underestimated Halifax, I don't know. Most managers and most teams are pretty well prepared for what they're going to face these days. But uh, Darren Curry said afterwards, we weren't very good today. We got beat by a better, a better team. Obviously, back on Tuesday, they've gone up a gear after half-time uh, when things were all square against all the shots. But uh, one to uh, write off quickly, Barnett, and forget, and they'll get the opportunity to... Uh, uh, the other side in the National League will do to move on quickly with another set of fixtures coming up on Tuesday. Another team who've really sprang up on the top of the farm table at the minute are Yeovil, and it was an eventful day for Luke Wilkinson, the defender. He scored what appeared to be the winner before he suffered a broken nose following a challenge from Danny Wright. Then he went in goal after Luke O'Brien went off injured, and he produced a stoppage time save to deny Wright. And Darren Sarr, well, didn't have any sympathy for him. He called it bloody hilarious, his performance. <laughs> yeah, there was a cracking achievement on the paper this morning taken by Gary Dick. And uh, not only did he get a bloody nose, he's, he's like, celebrating the, uh, the, the final whistle, I think. And he's got two sort of cotton wool pokes or whatever they are stuffed up in his nostril, um, a heavily uh, sleeved arm. And he's also 
long the goalkeeping gloves, as you say, is going to go towards the end of the game. So quite a day for Wilkinson, one that he'll never forget. And don't be uh, kind of fooled by the scoreline there, 1-0, uh, 2 you know, will be concerned. That is a game of plenty of chances, I think, uh, 15 for Solihull and uh, 8 for Yeovil. So, you know, you could argue perhaps a little bit of a smash and grab, but Yeovil have got into some really good habits this week. I'm looking forward to seeing them at first hand on Tuesday night. I've got Bromley unbeaten all season, working on a 10 match unbeaten run. And I think Yeovil are only a game or two behind that. How quickly they've settled to life uh, in the National League and I think it's made one or two people sit up and take notice. And credit to Tom, of course, Tom Lang of our podcast team. And I think he's the only one that's... Uh, but you look at the other end, I mean, with Solihull, I mean, we record this on the Sunday, but what in the good Lord's name has happened to them? They are bottom of the form table. Another defeat for them, that is five defeats now in six. Gary Wilde said it just sums up the way that it's going for them at the minute, and he said the performance was good, but we know how they play, Rob. Do you think they've been found out a little bit now? I think the thing about Solihull, the way they played so effectively last season, even if you knew what they were going to do, you couldn't stop it but uh, something's missing this season whether it's the, the hunger whether it's the not quite the same you know backs to the wall kind of spirit let's prove everybody wrong you know we're little old Sully Holmores you know and, and constant they really built on that last season this season you know there's a, there's a healthy budget there and there's a lot of expectation and uh, you could uh, you could use this team talking about any number of clubs uh, you know you go and build uh, any number of clubs, Solihull Moors being one of them, AFC Files, Wrexham, Chesterfield. Um, and uh, I do start to form more of an opinion, I don't know if you concur with this, Luke, that having a togetherness, an identity, a, a style of play, a pattern of play, probably those factors weigh almost um, as strongly in the National League as having a budget or being a big club. No, indeed. I think I think team spirit, a good team spirit, gets you an extra ten points alone on top of what what you can get. It doesn't matter how much money you have if you don't have a lot of money. The team spirit's even more important, I suppose, in that sense. Throwaway line from a lot of players, a lot of managers are we're really great team spirit. Trust me, and I've played football long enough. The only time team spirit matters is when you're up against it when you're down when you're a goal or two down when you've got to dig deep when you've got to buy on something else that's when team spirit comes into play uh, and if you're on a run of uh, six, seven, eight games unbeaten and the result could just come in your way then uh, it's not quite as critical or as important then but it's what you do in the difficult times that counts and that's when team spirit really matters it smells like team spirit hey Rob <laughs> <laughs> Dagenham and Redbridge, another an eighth game unbeaten for them. They stay in seventh position after a nil-nil draw at Torquay. Yeah, that's a result that surprised me. Actually, the nil-nil between Torquay and Dagenham. Torquay have been pretty free-scoring, haven't they, early on? But they were have been kept to a clean sheet now a couple of weeks running, and uh, um, I, I wonder what that's down to. Really, um, Dagenham, to be fair, probably had the better of that nil-nil yesterday. Seven shots on target and eight off. Uh, which was almost double what the home side managed. So, uh, uh, not quite firing at the moment, Torquay, but uh, they are still picking up points in third place for that. Dover continued their good form with a 2-0 win at Hartlepool, but that wasn't the story, unfortunately. There was 
allegations of alleged racism towards Inia Fiong and Ricky Modest. Andy Hessenthaler said he was prepared to take his players off the pitch, along with his opposite number, Craig Hignett. The players want to stay on. been widely reported on social media. It's on the front of the non paper as well. Somebody who was at the game and made the long trip up to Hartlepool is Dover fan Jamie Parsons. And he was there with his two young kids, and Jamie's on the line now. Hello, Jamie. Hello. Hello. So, obviously, it was a, it was a long trip up beforehand, uh, and um, it was a good win for Dover, but... Just tell us about the, what happened uh, during the day, really. Okay, so um, as uh, as we got into the ground, uh, as, as it is in all non-league ground, uh, we've missed one away game over the last few seasons of the family, and uh, uh, we just love it. We, we love the hospitality that you get when you go to different grounds and, and talking to the different fans. And there was no different when we arrived at um, part of Paul met with smiles from the police and stewards uh, as you always are as the game got underway uh, it was it was a lively game anyway uh, and then uh, the penalty incident down the other end so then he uh, stepped up to take the penalty um, he was met with booze and abuse as you expect when you're in, a, in, in an away ground and you're in front of their uh, stand behind the goal um, he converted the penalty and because of the abuse that he received he ran in front of the fans with his finger over his lip which we've had it happen at Crabble this season um, and it happens at, at all the games um, mm. there, there was a delay you could, there was discussions uh, the tunnel was then pulled out which at that point I felt the players was going to go down and the game was going to be stopped for um, possibly for, for the for that finished the game. Could you hear anything, Jamie? Could you hear any sort of I, I abuse? Didn't, I didn't hear anything, but as the players was running back, they, running back to the to our half um, to, to restart the game, they then heard something and they all ran back. And then one of part of all players then exchanged um, words and there was arms again swinging and the stewards had to hold back one of the hardball players to stop getting to his own fans. It, there, there was a lot. There, there was it, it was going on for for a long time. Uh, they managed to bring everyone back to the centre, the centre of the pitch, to the dugout, where there was still a lot of confusion of what exactly had had happened after after that. Finally, the game did get restarted, and it, it was um, there was 11 minutes added on before the second half began. There was an announcer that came on and and spoke to the fans and said. We, we do not accept any racist behaviour within this ground and the, world, the matter will be dealt with appropriately, completely condoning it and, and saying that was a shame. So, so the game's gone on, um, he is red cards, there's a, a fan that ran on the pitch to try and attack the referee, then three um, Hartlepool players then dragged that fan off, no stewards, the stewards wasn't there. Um, but, <laughs> As you get in these grounds, the stewards are more concerned about where you're hanging flags and, and, and stuff like that. They, they, they just, there was one young lady who stood, stood with, with our fans. They, 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 they was, the stewards was pretty much non-existent, um, I, I felt. And I felt, um, yeah, it, 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 was, it wasn't a very pleasant um, experience. I've been there before. I went there last season. Um, and, and obviously it wasn't like this. So so after the game, the security and the police, I think they'd done the right thing. The tensions were obviously so high from from the home fans. They kept they kept the 
Boba fans in, uh, there was 56 of us up there, yeah. So they kept mm -hmm. us in, in the ground at the end for about 10 or 15 minutes. So as the fans was coming out, there was a, a metal fence, a couple of fans trying to climb and shouting abuse at the Dover fans. Uh, and you had your kids with you point. as well. You had your kids with you as well, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, and, that, and at that point, my daughter said to me, Daddy, I'm scared, which I thought I would never hear within a, um, a non-league football ground, mm. which, what I said at the beginning, I stopped going to Chelsea because it's safe, safer to take the children to the non-league non ground. So I'm questioning myself, is non-league really as safe as I thought it was um, in these grounds and, or, and outside? Because police presence of, uh, is, is a lot more, there's a lot bigger presence within the, the league football grounds. They think Dover's only going to take 50 to 100 to these up north games, and and, and there's no police presence after when we come out. If the game's heated, it, it's, it's happened a couple of times, like I say. Um, so, so after the game, the, you've come out of the ground uh, finally after 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, I said to the, the stewards, there was a line of stewards, they, they finally got all the stewards which had finished doing the whole ground, they, they all sort of formed the chain and police officers, maybe between five and, and eight police officers had, had arrived and I said to one of the officers, I've got to go down down there, that's where I parked the car. He, he refused initially and I said, look, I'm with my two children, we just want to get out, it's been a long day, we left early, 5.30 this morning. Um, and he said that it's for your own safety. Uh, I said, they're, they're not going to start with it, but I've got the two children here. And he said, you don't know what what uh, the fans are like. He said, what we'll do, we'll, we'll escort you to the car. And and that's what happened. We got escorted. Wow. Okay. Will it stop you going to... I know you probably... You don't experience any problems at home games, but will it stop you going to sort of away games now? Or at least... Because I know you go to every game, don't you? Home and away. Yeah. So will will it stop you... Will, or will you just choose certain away games? Or will you just, will you just knock away games on the head? Or, or what? Um, I mean, I, I, I won't know. We enjoy it. It's part of our life now. It's part of spending time as a family together. We absolutely love it. And I've never, myself yesterday, I never felt unsafe. Um, but as a child, I can understand how a child would feel unsafe. And it's not nice to see. And, and uh, as a child, um, and, it, and it's things you come to, to remember from watching Premier League football or the, or higher, higher end games. Where, but there's a lot more police presence. At end games, like I say, but you, it, it won't, it won't make me stop going or, or the children. If this continues week in week out, then absolutely. Yeah. But but at Harrogate, um, uh, we we was there. Uh, I think it, yeah, it was the last away game, and we're in the clubhouse at Harrogate, and Harrogate fans are giving the girls a pound to go and buy a toy. They've got a little machine in the corner, and and it's a different experience. That that's what I love about non-league and the league mentality is coming down to the non-league which is possibly taking it out of of the non-league maybe I'm just saying that because it's happened at two uh, ex-league teams mm. Jamie can I just uh, come in on that um, first of all thank you very much for sharing uh, so graphically your experience yesterday I, and I, I think it's quite important Luke as well that as the NL Full Time Podcast in terms of how we're covering this we are not judge and jury um, 
uh, I, I think Jamie's given a, a pretty fair account of how it felt for him. What he has steered away from is not specifically what has been said. He's not putting the blame on Hartlepool. He's not putting the blame on individuals. We don't know some of that fine to detail. Some of the investigations are obviously going to you know, look into to those aspects of it. I, I think what Jamie's managed to do is just give us a really good account of what it felt like to be a fan within that experience, particularly with young, confused and, and scared children. And, uh, you know, I think the headline on the non-league paper um, pretty much sums it up, a sad day for football. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, we're in 2019 now and... You shouldn't be hearing this at football, and and then it's creeping into society as well now. And it, it it's just, it feels like we're taking a couple of steps back, aren't we, in, in, on this situation now? And it needs to be stamped out. And credit to Hartlepool, the, we say immediately. I mean, he came out at half time, didn't he? They couldn't have been any more immediate in coming out. And um, you've got CCTV in these grounds now, so hopefully they'll catch the culprit and be given the, the strongest sentence available. And I find it very difficult to understand. Yeah. I don't understand how somebody who's in your team is absolutely fine and somebody who's in another team is, you know, whatever. Describing words you want to use, that doesn't make sense to me. I think it's, it's a combination of ignorance and lack of intelligence for, for a start. But uh, I guess we can't delve too deep into the, the finer issues because that we weren't there. And, and even Jamie, who was, doesn't really know exactly what was said really sparked it. Yeah, it must have been something strong for it to be sparked off. But I'll just leave you with um, a tweet that Nicky Kabamba sent out. He plays for Hartlepool, of course, and he just put, Wolf football, hate racism, with a heart emoji on. So, there we go. Excellent. Nice one. Thanks for joining us. No, brilliant. Thanks so much. Down at the bottom, you've got under, you've got the bottom three in the form guide. is Chesterfield, Wrexham and Solihull Moors. And Wrexham and Chesterfield occupy two of the bottom four. You saw Wrexham yesterday at the Ebb Stadium, didn't you? And uh, did he look like a side who were devoid of confidence and struggling? Because I think that was the first game in 17 where they hadn't scored a goal. No, they didn't. I have to say uh, it was a slow-changing game yesterday. The first 30 minutes or so, which I didn't really come out and show what, what they do or what they like to try and do. Wrexham controlled the majority of the possession, the tempo, they had first two or three sort of half chances but they didn't really hurt all the shots who uh, kicked up a gear really 10 15 minutes before half time and created seven chances themselves in the sort of seven minutes either side of half time it, 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 as the game wore on it did start to look like it would be a solid clean sheet and a, and a waypoint for Wrexham which probably given the recent run they'd have been relatively happy with but all the shots and we've mentioned it a few times. They didn't put together a performance of the quality they did up at Stockport last week, but they stayed in the game. They hung in there, and they go right to the end. It's the third or I think the third time they've scored past 90 minutes already this season. And what a moment at the Ed Stadium yesterday! As ten months without a Saturday home win, were finally ended by Harry Cunningham's diving header. From Ethan Chislett's cross in the 95th minute, 
pandemonium in the East Bank and huge relief all round at the EBB. But for Wrexham, it is difficult times. So I can't really put my finger on why they're struggling. They, didn't, they did seem good in possession, but a little bit too, just a little bit lacking a, a cutting edge up front. Um, I talked about some of those frustrations after the game with uh, Wrexham midfielder Luke Young. Joined by Wrexham midfielder Luke Young. Luke, tough one to take. Uh, you were, what, seconds away, I guess, from, from a point on, on the road in a clean sheet, and uh, it went the other way. Those moments in football, they can be so ecstatic when you get them, but uh, they kill you when they go against you. That's what I mean, yeah. It's a bit it's a bit of a sucker punch, really. Obviously, we, we get a corner right at the end, and you got a little bit of momentum, and you feel like you can kind of nick it, uh, nick, nick the game at 1-0, and you mm-hmm. come away, away from home with three points. But then to come away with absolutely nothing, it's like you say, yeah, it's a sucker punch and a big kick in the teeth. And you could say it sums our lock up this season at the minute. Things just not going for us, not falling for us. We don't seem to be taking our chances. Where as if we can, if we're creating chances, whereas if we can take them, it kills games off. And and you come away with, with three points, but unfortunately it just don't seem to be happening for us at the minute. You actually did a pretty decent first 35 minutes, I think. Uh, two or three chances, kept Aldershot quiet, um, and just gradually Aldershot started creating more and more chances. Any idea why that was? Uh, as the away teams are always going to come under a bit of pressure. Um, they're they're going to get a bit of momentum. They're, they're the home teams, so they try and take, take the game to you, and we knew that was going to be the case anyway, and they had a, obviously a couple of succession of corners Obviously, late on in, in the game, they had a few had a few free kicks on our goal, but mm. with, with without real, any real clear-cut chances. Mm. Obviously, we've had a couple dibs. Our keepers put off a good, couple of good saves at the end, but then again, we, we're coming away from the game with nothing, and that's the most disappointing thing, I think. Um, we we go into every game wanting to win. We saw this as another opportunity to try and try and get three points, especially away from home, and things have been going well, but. To, to concede late on as we did it, it really does kick you in the teeth when you're down Thinking of those two or three uh, free kicks that Jack Powell had at the East Bank and every time I think in commentary I mentioned that it reminded yeah. me of the one that you struck home for Torquay two or yeah. three seasons back So often you see the free kick in, in, in what you call the optimal position but there's still a lot you've got to get right as the taker is one of the most important qualities just to keep a level head and stroke it how you know you can Yeah of course um, obviously when, when you get opportunity after opportunity of, of free kicks in similar positions you're just hoping that one just drops for you um but yeah you've, you've got you've got to get everything right you've got to kind of you know you've got to get up and over the wall you've got to go around the wall keeper side with, with pace to beat it to beat him so there's there's many different factors to to kind of it, to come into play to try and score a free kick it's not just it's not it's not a given because that you've you've got the wall that's in the way and obviously you've got to beat the keeper as well so yeah it's got to be, it's got to be a well a well struck shot we had a couple Probably chances ourselves. I had one in the first half, which went for a corner. Um, Geno had one in the second half, which went for a corner. And you get that a couple of inches higher, and you could probably see it flying in the top corner. So <laughs> no, it's it, it's opportunities where you've got almost you've almost got a free shot on goal, but then obviously you've got factors to, to come into it to try and to try and score, and it's, and it's never easy. But when you get chance after chance, you're just hoping that one falls you. Now it hasn't been the start Wrexham wanted, but it's obvious even to uh, those just seeing Wrexham for one time today. You've got some quality in the squad. Is it a matter of time? Just a matter of staying together until things start going your way? Yeah, of course it is. Um, but then how how long can you keep saying that? It, it's got a term for you at some stage, and the, the longer it don't, the more obviously worrying it gets. But obviously we're hoping that it, it turns around as quickly as Tuesday.
we've got to try and go into it with a positive mind a positive attitude we can't dwell on what's happening we can only try and look forward and look and look up rather than look behind um we're not in the position that we want to be in of course don't get me wrong but we're there for a reason and the players in that dressing room we've got such good quality in there throughout the whole squad and it's just a case of showing it on a day-to-day basis showing it in games and then as soon as it starts clicking for you again you'll find yourself climbing up the table which is what we aim to do Talking of positives, you've got one on the horizon as well, haven't you? Your second child's due in uh, about three weeks' time, about is three it? Three weeks, yeah. So uh, I'm on, uh, I'm on red alert. I'm on, I'm on tender hooks, <laughs> waiting for that call. I'm hoping that it don't come on three o'clock on a on a Saturday or quarter late on a Tuesday. But now I'm hoping it will fall fall nicely in between in between a couple of games. And yeah, what what better way to hopefully bring a bit of positivity to to everything and. Yeah, I'm looking forward to welcoming the, a new baby boy. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much for joining us anyway, but particularly after such a gut-wrenching late defeat. And best of luck for the rest of yeah, the season. Thank you very much. And that was Luke Young, and uh, we wish him well on his new, on his pending new arrival. Chesterfield, they lost 4-0 at Sutton. And is that really a surprise? We thought they turned the corner last week, but John Sheridan called the performance shocking. He said he's going to have a look at himself as well as his team after that. I don't think anybody saw that result coming. You wondered if Chesterfield had turned the corner. But Sutton, uh, as we've pointed out, have been going along quite steadily this season under Matt Gray. But hadn't exactly had great home form and they put that to bed yesterday. Uh, a couple of goals in each half. Harry Newtonman on the score sheet again with a, one of those 90 plus five minute goals that wasn't that crucial because it was already 3-0 at the time. But, um, but a couple of goals on the day from Aaron Jarvis helped Sutton to uh, a really decent uh, three points and, and looking at the stats from that game they were pretty clinical yesterday five shots on target Sutton and they scored with four of them yeah that's all it's all about it's um, it's what needs to be done in the National League especially if you're one of the the smaller sides with no disrespect to Sutton but you need to be clinical when you take your chances when they come along Another team sneaking up the table, Bournemouth, they had a convincing 4-0 win over Stockport County. That man, Kabongo Shimanga, scoring two once again. Jim Gannon said he didn't see that performance coming, but after last week, I'm not sure what uh, what he was expecting, to be honest with you. Whether he was expecting a positive reaction or not, I don't know, but he says there's a lot of negativity around. And then you look at Maidenhead against Harrogate, that finished one all, a good draw for Harrogate, and that draw as well, not Maidenhead out of the playoffs, they were leapfrogged by Dagenham. I do a small prediction uh, competition with a friendly one with a, uh, a good power each week and uh, I think that's the only result I've got right yesterday in the National League. Uh, Maidenhead and Harrogate I predicted it one all. Just going back to that match before and what a what a Philip, what a what a result there for uh, Luke Garrard. Everybody quick to, to write them off now and say that that was a bit of a one season wonder. Uh, a couple of teams the playoffs but uh, do you know what they're hanging in there um, that's a really really good win but I'm concerned now for Stockport they've been beaten 3-0 by Chorley uh, they were outplayed uh, and outbattled at uh, Edgley Park at home to uh, all shot and now they've gone 4-0 down away to Boroughwood and uh, you know what this kind of reminds me a little bit of, uh, of, of Chesterfield uh, last season Jim they went a nice little run mm. right up in the top three or four in the first few weeks and then went on the most horrible run now hopefully Stockport have got enough quality in their ranks to, to not go on as run as poor as Chesterfield's was last season but uh, that's going to be really concerning for Jim Gannon more of work sneaking up the table uh, all the shots sneaking up the table Sutton doing very nicely 
still lose uh, some of those clubs. Like Solihull, Wrexham, and Chester with big expectations still, can't find the results they want. The other team with probably the high expectations and low achievement would be AFC Fylde. Now, finally yesterday, at the right sort of time as well, when the cameras came to town, they got it right and they picked up a precious three points at home. Yeah, got a decent performance from Fylde. They needed that. They got a bit of luck with Dan Bradley's deflected effort early on. Easily hit the bar just before that as well, and then decoys through Danny Hollands, and then Fleetwood turned the screw a little bit in the second half and got two goals through Jordan Williams and uh, a mate of yours, Ryan Crowsdale, and an important win for them moves them out of the bottom four and. They'll be looking to motor up the table now and then. The only other result as well that we haven't looked at is Ebsleet nil Barrow 3. A good, convincing win for Barrow there. And again, they're just three points off the playoffs. And that result sees Ebsleet go to the bottom of the table. They're quite an assured side on the ball, Barrow. And they are quite capable of going away from home. As they did yesterday and as they did against Aldershot just uh, two or three weeks back. And actually dominate the possession of the play. They're very, very comfortable on the ball. Uh, they're really well organised by Ian Ever and uh, yeah I mean they're roughly where they finished I think they're exactly where they finished last season aren't they 10th at the moment obviously after the points uh, and the demotion from uh, Gator I think they did finish 10th at the Farrow so uh, what do you make of it Luke 12 games gone we're pretty much bang on a quarter of the way through the season there are four sides we've only played 11 games if we just Exactly, and you look at it at the minute and you go all the way down to Eastleigh who were just above the relegation zone. They're on 13 points, but they're only six points off the playoffs. It's so tight. Absolutely, and uh, talking of tight, what about the top goal scorers? And nobody's tearing it up here. Um, five players have got seven goals from 12 games. Uh, in, in the Epion of Dover, uh, Reed Jenny at Torquay, Jake Hyde at Woking, Bongo to Manga. And uh, something we haven't actually mentioned in much detail, but there he sits uh, right at the top with those other four is uh, Scott Quigley, who's uh, got a couple of goals yesterday for Barrow, and he's also got seven. Harry Dieterman, uh, six from midfield. Uh, McAlinden with six as well for Halifax. And uh, Chris Holroyd of Chorley, who, uh, you know, they're in the bottom four, but he's managed to weigh in with six goals in the first 12 games. If he can keep that up, Chorley will say they've got every uh, chance of... Uh, well, normally we look at the National League North and South divisions now, but they entered the FA Cup second qualifying round yesterday, so let's have a look at that. Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier, and this is the NL Full Time Podcast. And we're going to look at how the National League South sides fared, and here is Tom Lang with his roundup. It was a day of mixed fortunes for the clubs of the National League South in Saturday's FA Cup second qualifying round. Of the 22 clubs that started, only 13 made it through, with two facing replays to reach the next round. Of those who fell by the wayside, probably the biggest upset took place at Tooting and Mitcham's Imperial Sports Ground, where the Isthmian South Central League Terrors made light work of a 43-place disparity between themselves and visitors Dorking Wanderers to secure a 1-0 win. 
Both sides were in good form approaching this fixture and riding high in their respective leagues. But despite manager Mark White selecting a strong side, it wasn't enough to prevent Tooting securing the biggest upset in the southern half of the draw. Sirencester Town also belied the two-league difference between themselves and local rivals Chippenham Town, forcing the Bluebirds to make the 23-mile journey up the A429 for a replay on Tuesday. The Southern League Division 1 Southside went behind to a stunning Callum Gunner strike. Check it out on the Twitter, it's probably the goal of the FA Cup so far. Before a blitzkrieg two minutes saw them first equalise, then go ahead immediately after the break. Indeed, going into the last 10 minutes, it looked as though the Step 4 side would take the victory before Luke Hopper popped up in the 82nd minute to force a replay. Another side headed for a replay at St Alban City, who drew 2-2 with Isthmian League Premier Division Worthing. The only draw between National League South and Isthmian League sides, there were a number of Step 2 teams who didn't fare so well, including 6th place Braintree Town. Facing off against Enfield Town in what I'm dubbing the Brad Quinton derby, Braintree approached the fixture in good form, but had no answer for Enfield Town's Mohamedou Fall. His brace sent the Towners through, adding to the four he's bagged so far in the league. Two more Isthmian Prem sides secured upsets, with Sean Okoji and Nathaniel Pinney doing the damage at the King George Stadium, where Corinthian casuals dispatched Chelmford City to reach the third qualifying round for the first time since 1983. Sitting bottom of the league with only two points, this could be the boost that James Bracken's sides need. Finally, for the Isthmian upsets, we go to Kent, where everyone's favourite Libertine-sponsored side beat Concord Rangers 3-1. Aaron Pollock put Concord ahead against Margate, but when it was time for heroes, the gate came through, with Noel Layton, Adam Ramadan and finally Jack Richards setting Concord on the road to ruin. It wasn't just the Isthmian League side securing upsets though, with both Poole Town and Beaconsfield Town of the Southern League Premier Division South dispatching loftier opponents. Most notably was the defeat of second-placed Hemel Hempstead Town, who simply couldn't find a breakthrough against Beaconsfield. The bottom side in the Step 3 division, with only three points on the board, Beaconsfield badly needed a Phillip, and Reese York's winner could be just that. Elsewhere, the South Coast Dolphins defeated Hungerford Town in the Charlie Austin derby. The West Brom striker played 30 times for Hungerford, but it was at Poole Town where his 48 goals in 42 matches propelled him into the Football League. Maybe Harry Baker will be the next player taking that step. His opener put Poole Town on the road to a 2-1 victory over Ian Herring's side, and added to his four league goals so far this season. The only fixture featuring two National League South sides took place at the Longmead Stadium, where Tombridge Angels fell to Eastbourne Borough. Goals from Elliot Romain and Nicky Wheeler cancelled out Deshaun and Theobald's opener. Meanwhile, Welling United scored the biggest result of the day with the Wings in 7th heaven against Isthmian League South Central Chipstead. Braces from Adam Coombs and Bradley Goldberg, a debut goal from Danny Waldron, and singles from Jack Jeb and Anthony Cook were met with no reply by Chipstead, who headed back to Surrey on the end of an absolute hammering. That score was matched by Oxford City 2, North Lee for 7. Seven different scorers did the damage here, with Jack Self, Ben Jefford, Josh Ashby, Reese Fleet, Jensen Wright, Reese King and the ubiquitous own goal making the score sheet. Elsewhere, goals from Sam Deadfield and Dan Lowe Orsi Dodomo gave Hampton and Richmond Borough a 2-1 victory away to Step 3 Chesham, and the lowest team facing a National League South side, Flackwell Town, were dispatched with minimal fuss by Slough. Sitting 12th in the Hellenic League Premier Division, Blackwell were always going to be up against it playing a strong slough side and when Ben Harris got the opener after half an hour that was the beginning of the end. Harris added the second after the break before Manny Williams added the third and final goal on his 100th appearance for the Rebels. High-flying Wealdstone secured a comfortable passage to the next round beating Step 3 Farnborough 5-0 at Cherrywood Road. Goals from Denon Lewis, Jacob Mendy, Herschel Watt and Ross Lafayette double doing the damage there. 
also making light work of the afternoon were Dulwich Hamlet, who had doubles from Nairon Clunas and Danny Mills, as well as strikes by Ali Youssef and Quade Taylor, to thank for a 6-1 victory over Bognor Regis Town in front of nearly 1,700 fans at the Champion Hill. A James Crane penalty accounted for the Rocks' consolation, and when you think that this was a league fixture for Dulwich just a few seasons ago, it shows how far they've come. Haven't and Waterlooville and Maidstone United both came through their ties unscathed, with Haven't overcoming a tough Taunton Town side 2-1. A Ben Adelsbury goal, own goal and Andy Drury gave them a 2-0 lead, before Shane White ensured a nervy last few minutes, the centre-back scoring at the start of added time for Taunton. In Kent, Maidstone defeated Chessant 4-1, with goals from Matt McClure, Ibi Akambi, Ify Allen and Noah Chasmain doing the damage. Billericay Town put a tough week behind them to progress, with Jordan Parks scoring the solitary goal against nearby Basildon Town, while Dartford beat Horsham 2-0 away. Darren McQueen scored after 42 minutes, but the darts were never really safe in the tie until Luke Allen hit a second in the 88th minute. And, in the final National League South tie of the round, Mark Mulsey's Weymouth side easily avoided the step four banana skin in the form of Southampton-based Sholing Town. Having made the picturesque journey through the New Forest, the te terrors prevailed 3-0 thanks to goal from Andreas Robinson, Ben Thompson and top scorer Brett Williams. And looking at how the National League North sides fared is Dickie Wharton. It was FA Cup second round qualifying day and with £6,750 available to the winners and, and just 2250 available to the losers in this round, obviously a financial incentive for going through as well. There are 11 National League North sides definitely through to the third qualifying round, nine sides facing midweek replays and just two who've exited the competition already and sadly I have to start with my own team there, AFC Telford United, subject of a shock yesterday of sorts. They've, uh, they went down 3-0 at home to Nantwich Town from the Bet Victor Northern Premier and it was a deserved win for Nantwich. 2-0 up at half time, Telford conceding two goals in the first 20 minutes again which is something which has become a, a bit of a nasty habit of theirs lately I'm afraid and they weren't able to pull that round uh, and Nantwich were deserving of their victory. Bradford Park Avenue the other National League North side who didn't progress they lost 4-2 at home to Morpeth Town in a performance that Marcus Law the, the manager there described certainly the second half performance as nowhere near acceptable. Already 2-1 down at half time to Morpeth. Bradford Park Avenue had Josh Heaton dismissed on 63 minutes. I think he'd got a yellow card on 57 and then Sack took what sounded like a straight red card just six minutes later. So that left them 2-1 down and a man down. Morpeth stretched their lead to 4-1 and a late Brad Doherty goal, just a mere consolation for Avenue there. They sit the competition. There are a number of draws as well. We go on to talking about those midweek replays. Uh, Kettering Town drew one each with Sutton Coalfield Town but missed an opportunity to go through. Sutton Coalfield ahead early on 11 minutes. Daniel and T levelled from the penalty spot just before half time, but then missed a second penalty in the second half that would have put Kettering through. So uh, off to a replay there. Similarly, Kidderminster Harriers and Stafford Rangers, they fought out a nil-nil stalemate at Agborough. That's not a result that will make the, the Kidderminster fans who are unhappy with things are going there any better about their season and they face a tricky replay probably on Tuesday night um, and maybe a slightly surprising one at Leamington were held 2-2 by Chase Town it all looked to be going swimming, swimmingly for Paul Holleran's men two goals from Josh March again he's, he's finding the target one from the penalty spot and the breaks were 2-0 up 
10 minutes into the second half. Everything looked to be going well, but then Chase Down scored two goals in six minutes again, another one of those a penalty. And it's a replay on Tuesday night. In Cannock, the sides that did progress automatically, spending more time, had an impressive 5-0 win away at Lancaster City. Scarborough, Scarborough Athletic were victims of Southport. That was a 5-2 scoreline there. Brackley Town disposed of Cinderford Town 4-0. Hereford beat Truro City 5-2. So you can see the National League North sides were, were running up the goal tally yesterday. Darlington got a much needed 3-1 win away at Trafford. The game televised live on the BBC's red button was a 2-0 win for York City away at Earlham. Another big score, Gateshead 6, Ramsbottom United 0. A, a slightly tighter scoreline at Guiseley, they got past Stockton Town 1-0. Gloucester City joined in the goal fest. They won 5-0 away at Kidlington. A 4-0 win for Boston United at Stamford. And Farsley Celtic had a 3-1 win at Runcorn Town. Now, there were three all-National League North ties yesterday, and all three of them ended as draws, so a further six teams facing midweek replays. Alfreton Town and Kingsland Town, that was a, a really tasty one thrown out by the draw, with them both being near the top of the table. That finished one each. David Lynch equalised an Adam Marriott goal to make it 1-1 at half-time there, Marriott putting Kings Lynn ahead. Then Amari Morgan-Smith's been in tremendous form so far this season for Alfreton, but he put a second-half penalty well over the crossbar, which uh, perhaps would have put Alfreton through, but then Kings Lynn had their chances as well. Adam Marriott, already on the score sheet, had a shot that came back off the woodwork in injury time, and that one finished one each. It was one each as well at the Diva Stadium between Chester and Altrincham, perhaps a slight Slightly surprising one given recent current form, but form isn't necessarily an indicator of things in the FA Cup, as we know. Matty Hughes had Chester ahead at half-time, but Josh Hancock levelled from a Jordan Hume cross in the last quarter of an hour of the game there to, to secure a replay for Altrincham. Some lengthy stoppage time in that game as well. Chester goalkeeper Russ Griffiths sustained an injury that I think he had a blood injury, meant there was a lot of blood on his shirt, and that was caused a lengthy delay in the game. Almost 12 minutes added on there, um, but that one finished a draw, and they'll replay in midweek. And then finally, possibly the, the craziest one of the day, was one that you, my colleague Luke, were at. I'll let you describe that one, the four-all draw between Curzon Ashton and Blythe Spartans. Tell us all about it. Yeah, thanks, Dickie. I went to Curzon Ashton for Blythe Spartans for yesterday, and it was a, a game where you could see... It had some quality goals in it, but you could also see why neither side had won for a little while. Blythe hadn't won all season. Curzon hadn't won in six weeks. Uh, Callum Roberts and Adam Wrightson ran the show for Blythe, especially in the second half. Callum Roberts in particular was outstanding. There was two goals for Callum Saunders, son of Dean, and also two goals for Luke Merrill. Uh, two of them were probably goal of the round, especially his first one. No batlift at all, just curled it right into the top corner, and it was perfect stuff. Lee Clark, well, we'll be catching up with him next week, all being well, because Dickie will be up there to see Blythe play Telford. I did catch a little bit of what he was saying to, their, to the Blythe Spartans media yesterday, and he was basically saying, don't feel sorry for us, there's loads of positives to take, and I think he's quite bullish about them winning the replay but I caught up with Callum Saunders after the game I'm here with Callum Saunders it's finished Curzon 4 Blythe 4 and uh, that was a pretty crazy game wasn't it Callum? Yeah crazy game <laughs> um, we came in at half time leading and we thought we'd come back out um, try and stay solid but they've scored a great free kick straight away and then um, they've battled like they do in the FA Cup every year and they've come <laughs> back and then um, 
luckily we've hung on at the end and, and nicked the goal. So we're back there Tuesday night now. Two goals for you. Got off to a good start. You latched onto that long ball, didn't you? And tucked it in, and then obviously the goal at the end. The keeper's up. It's at the post. Everything. There's a bit of a uh, bit of confusion. Just tell us what happened. Yeah. Well, the first goal was a good goal. Tricket. Um, I know Trickett from when I played at Crew years ago, and uh, he slid me and I finished it. The second goal was a bit of a mad one, yeah. Trickett's hit a volley, and um, I've actually missed the header, and it's come off the post and hit me on the head, gone across the line, and uh, it was over, so luckily I'm claiming that one. Yeah, I just saw you looking at the video then, and you're, you're having it, aren't you? Yeah, definitely claim that. I've told the ref to put it down as nine, so <laughs> I'm having that one. Now, your old man's watching here today. He doesn't really say much. I was stood near him. Is it a case of... Did you sit down on, say, a Sunday afternoon over your Sunday dinner and just analyse what you've done and, and listen to him and how he would have done it and things like that? Yeah, I think he, he, comes, he doesn't miss a game. He comes to every game he can. Um, he never really gets involved with, with me and when I'm playing. But afterwards, he'll tell me, yeah, what I did bad, what I did need to do better. And, um, yeah, probably tomorrow we'll have a chat and, and see what he thinks. That's a famous name, FA Cup. You obviously want to stamp your own name on that FA Cup now, don't you? Yeah, um, I actually made my full debut in the FA Cup um, against Sheffield United away, so that was it's always been a good place in my heart. So, yeah, hopefully I can uh, carry on and score some more goals in this this year. And finally, you've had a good grounding, haven't you? You come through the Crew Academy, you, you've played at Nantwich, both teams that like to play good football are now Kurs, and it, the football inside of it seems to suit you, doesn't it, when teams are like playing it into your feet to run onto? Yeah, um, I think I'm a striker who relies on a bit of good service, um, I think my move, I, I make good good runs and good movement. I just need someone to put me in. Yeah. Um, luckily, I trick it there today. He's put me in on goal and um, only needed one chance. That was Callum Saunders. And a fun fact here for you, Rob. Callum Saunders is eligible to play for Turkey because he was born in Istanbul from when his dad played at Galatasaray. So there you go. Well, there you go. I'll give you a fun stat. I was qualified to play for Belgium because I was born in the age, but that's pretty much where that one ends as well. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> We'll look ahead now to the midweek fixtures in the National League and uh, some massive games on Tuesday evening, isn't there? Yeah, there's a couple that really stand out. One we mentioned a little bit earlier, Bromley at home to Woking. So first against third there. Um, and the battle of the, the two of the sides that are struggling but with big expectations this season filed against Wrexham. And the typical one for Wrexham, things haven't been going their way. Filed, of course, got a morale boost in three points in front of the TV cameras uh, on Saturday evening. Uh, I'll be at uh, all the shots to take a look at the Yeovil Town, who are obviously unbeaten and in the top four as well, uh, as all the shots go in search of back-to-back wins for the first time this season. Excellent. Well, that is it. Thank you very much for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to us via iTunes and Spotify. Give us a follow as well on NL Full Time. It's at NL Full Time. Our email is nlfulltime at gmail.com. Rob, thanks for joining us. Pleasure as always, Luke. Yeah, enjoy the rest of your weekend. And I've been Luke Edwards. Thank you very much for listening to us. Uh, I won't be here next week. I think Rob will be in the hot seat. Uh, I'll be away on holiday. Uh, So enjoy the podcast.